When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Ring Out Ahoya podcast is your official home for the latest information on Marquette Athletics. Join us each week for exclusive conversations with administrators, coaches, student athletes, and many more. We are Marquette. I'm your host, Scott Kuykendall, and joining us today is former men's basketball player and current member of the Golden State Warriors, Juan Toscano-Anderson. Juan, thanks for the time, man. Well, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. It's been five years since you've been on campus. I mean, does it seem to me, it seems for whatever reason, like it was a lot longer ago. I mean, does it seem like it's gone quick or that it, it was now a new segment of your life almost? Yeah, I mean, so much has happened between the time I left campus and now. Um, and just really always trying to think about what's next kind of. It makes you kind of sometimes forget the past and always like you're always so focused on trying to get to a destination. And in this case, my destination was just always trying to get to the NBA. So uh, it seems like forever ago, but I mean, I still keep in touch with some of the guys and we always talk about stuff. So I always feel that connection back to market. Just doing a little research for this and, you know, just searching your name. I mean, your journey (laughs) You know, a lot of people think in five years, oh, from playing at Marquette to the NBA, there's a national progression. You work your way to it. But you've got a really unique story. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, from from what I could find, you played in Mexico, maybe Argentina a little bit, the G League. Maybe that first stop and and how you started your professional career and what led you to go go to Mexico. Yeah, well, uh, actually, I was on my way to Buzz's Bunch uh, when he was at Virginia Tech. Uh, The national team gave me a call. Um, they wanted, basically invited me to come play. So that's just how it all kind of started. Uh, there was a team in Mexico. Um, I basically needed 
uh, process of me getting my dual citizenship through uh, my Mexican family to play for the national team. So there was a team who basically I made a deal with that it, they would help me get my uh, passport. Everything legal, obviously, my family is from Mexico, but they would help me uh, expedite the process if I signed to play with them. And so that's just kind of how it all happened. I played really well that first time I played with the national team. I actually had a few G League teams um, interested or reaching out to my agent. But um, by the time I had played in uh, FIBA pre-Olympics, uh, I was already signed to a team to play that fall. Uh, so that's how I ended up in Mexico, played there for a few years. Um, in the summers, I, I played in uh, Venezuela, played in Argentina. Um, I played a little bit in Spain, but that whole situation was a little rocky, so I ended up coming back home. Man, two years in the G League. Is it true that you were the Steph Curry of Mexico? I read a story about that. Is that I mean – Joking, obviously, but also you yeah. played well, league MVP, a couple of championships, right? I mean, you took advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, I think that that kind of got a little misconstrued. Like, <laughs> basically, basically what I meant by that is kind of like, you know, when Steph Curry comes to town, those are people are coming out for those games, you know. Uh, I don't want to say the league necessarily needs Steph Curry, but Steph, Stephen Curry is an entertainment aspect, like, People pay to watch Steph Curry play. People pay to watch the James Hardens and the Le LeBrons play. And so that's kind of what I meant for that. It's like when I go, when I'm playing in Mexico, like when I come to town, like the people are coming out to watch that. And I say that very humbly. Like it's, it's pretty cool to be, you know, that guy, to be like a highlight where, you know, when, you know, when Juan Toscano is coming to town, people are making sure that they come to those games. So that's, that's really what I meant by it. And, and yeah, that's the case, which – like I said, I say that very humbly, but I, I've earned every, you know, every bit of that. So it's it's cool. Um, it's cool being like, you know, just an idol to some of these kids. Like, that's so humbling, man. I got kids on Instagram sending me messages every day. That's that's one of the things that, that keeps me going, man, because I always remember, like, there's always somebody watching. So you, you utilize the performance there a little bit and – probably could still be there and, and be very happy and you were making some decent money, uh, but you get the opportunity for an open trial with the G League team. And as I think you've done since you left Marquette and even when you were here, you bet on yourself a little bit, right? Yeah. To take a risk and, and go to the G League to see if that could get you to the next step. Yeah. I mean, uh, fortunately, uh, I have a dual citizenship and I have another passport. And I think that's been um, something that just kind of changed the game for me. And you know, for any of the guys who are in college, if they have, um, if they're biracial, have other nationalities, they should really tap into that because um, that that gave me another opportunity. You know, coming straight out of college, I didn't have any NBA offers. Going to the G League wasn't even on my mind. So um, just having that door to go to Mexico was, was dope. It kind of revived my career, gave me another opportunity to find, you know, the love for the game and regain my confidence. And you know, moving forward, being able to leave the league is like, it's that passport. I have that passport in my back pocket and worst case scenario, as long as I'm healthy and I'm playing decent, I'm playing well, then I can always go back to Mexico. So that was just something like I've seen as I already established this platform here. Now it's kind of like to take a risk and try to establish a platform elsewhere, um, home for me here in the Bay Area. And so if it doesn't work, I can always go back to Mexico. You know, it's kind of like having a degree. You know, you got a good degree. If basketball doesn't work out for me, well, I can always fall back on, on this degree. So that's kind of what just gave me the confidence to, you know, 
take a risk. So you take that risk, and, and from what I read, the, the coaches tell you at first that you didn't make the open tryout uh, to mess with you a little bit and then to see your reaction. Maybe just explain that situation and just the, the emotions that probably went through your mind at that point. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the trial was about – so it was about two and a half weeks. I showed up along with uh, three other guys, Trayvon Palmer, who's actually from Milwaukee, played in northern Arizona, and then Elijah Johnson, who played at Kansas a few years ago. It was us two and maybe one or two other people. So we were there for a week working out and then a, another week with all the actual guys who were signed. And so the whole week, like, I'm asking all these guys, like, hey, you think I'm going to make the team? Like, I've been playing well, right? Like, I'm basically asking guys who have been in the league, who have experience in the G League, like, you know, what do I have to do to make this team? And everybody just kept laughing, like, man, just chill. Like, you're going to make the team. Because I was actually playing well. And so um, there was a little dilemma between – because I was signed – at that time, I was actually signed with my team in Mexico. They had just granted me time to uh, come and try out. And so I think November 1st was a media day. And basically my team called me like, we need you to come back now. We don't have news that you're on. You made the team or we're still paying you. So like you either got to come back or you got to stay. So I, I basically told them like, hey, you know, I know I don't have any leverage to ask for, you know, an answer here now or then. But, you know, I got to make a decision. I can't tell my team that I'm not coming back and then you guys don't end up signing me and then I'm kind of, you know, SOL. So, yeah, they called me in the office and they're just like, you know, and they're all super serious. So, first when I walk in, I'm like, damn, like, it's, it's going to yeah. be bad. But You've seen the movies where, you know, the bad news, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it ended up turning out pretty well, man. And, you know, they made some changes to their roster where they took a huge risk. You know, they ended up trading uh, Terrence Jones away to keep me. And so for anybody who follows basketball or knows, like, real basketball, you know, Terrence Jones is a really good player. He's probably one of the better players in the world that's not in the NBA. So uh, I just, you know, wanted to make sure that I didn't make them regret that, that, uh, that change in their roster, and, and that's just kind of how it happened. I went in there on 15th man. Um, first game or first few games, you know, Aaron Miles, who was the coach at the time, he just was like, you know, I don't want you to be at the end of the bench, you know, mad if you don't play. And, you know, I was okay with that. Like, I've been there before. Um, and by the end of the year, I was starting. So I played pretty well throughout the year, worked myself in the summer league, summer league in the training camp and so forth. So that, you know, that risk pays off, has paid off, and will continue to pay off. Now with the Warriors – and we could do the whole podcast on that, I'm sure, and, and maybe we will again. But maybe maybe talk a little bit about that and, and officially making it to the NBA, realizing your dream and knowing the journey that you had made to get there. Well, yeah, uh, the first – during preseason, preseason was really cool. I mean, I was super excited. I mean, just super excited to be in the NBA, put on a, a Warriors jersey. Like, you know, I'm sure you're from the Milwaukee area. You still live in the Milwaukee area. You know, you know what it means for a hometown kid to put on a Bucks jersey. And more so the Warriors, the Warriors are such a huge deal just because, you know, of what they've done the past six years. So it was just like, man, it was so satisfying to do that. And, 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 you know, lace up with, you know, Steph Curry and, you know, Draymond and these guys. Uh, but when I got waived, you know, that was 
that was heartbreaking, man. Like, that was one of the worst feelings I ever felt in my life. And it's just because, like, you're so close yet so far away. And I don't know, it just – it made me revert back to a lot of times I had at Marquette. Well, first was boot camp, you know, and, and, and shout-out to Buzz. Like, I hated Buzz when I was at Marquette, honestly, for, for so many things. You know, boot camp was one of them. But, you know, there's a method to his madness, and, and those types of things, they, they teach you how to overcome adversity and just kind of it, – it puts you in a mind state of just keep going. Like, what's next? You know, I still got to wake up the next day and figure out, you know, do I have a job? What am I going to do? Am I going to get better? Or are you just going to sulk? And so one thing I wasn't going to do was sulk. And I, I just kind of got back to work, um, went back down to the G League, but I was struggling just because I wanted to get back up top so bad. Started the season like 0 for 28 from three. Um, literally couldn't hit a shot. And then I just – I flipped the switch, man. I had a talk with a good friend of mine, and uh, then I start shooting like 58% from three. I was averaging like 18 and 12. And they were actually switching out two ways. So everybody knows two ways are 45 days up top, and they were actually switching out two ways. And I, I assumed that I was going to get it just because, you know, like I was in camp. There was, you know, some talk about me being the next one called up. You know, I was playing well, but then I didn't get it. And so I was really hurt by that, really frustrated, you know, just because you're always just figuring out when's, you know, when's going to be my time. And But then three days later, I ended up getting called up. So that was really cool. I mean, there were so many ups and downs. Um, but just to finally be called up was just really dope and actually be on contract. Like, the first, preseason was really cool. And it was it was a lot of fun, new experience. Like, I felt like, you know, I mean, obviously I am the little fish in the big pond, but then to just actually be there and be on contract and be a part of the team, like, that's just a whole different scenario. So, but the hard, the easy part is done, you know, the, and not to take away and dismiss the hard work that I put in to get to the NBA, but uh, the hardest part is just staying in the NBA. So just just kind of keep working, man, and just stay humble, stay grounded, you know, not get too ahead of myself. Uh, and, and that's a great attitude. But I also, I don't want to uh, – was it more satisfying for you? I mean, I'll be honest, we could – I'm not telling you anything. If you'd asked me when you graduated if I thought you were going to play in the NBA, I'd have said no. They know. Yeah, right. exactly. So there has to be a little more of a level of satisfaction for you, right, knowing how far you've come personally – with the career that didn't go the way you wanted uh, in your control, out of your control, change of coaches, all that to making it to the NBA. I mean, can you talk a bit about that? And, and is that what drives you now even to stay? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It's, it's very satisfying. And there's so many emotions that run through my head. I mean, um, I got a hard drive that, uh, you know, I had from college that I probably bought my sophomore year of college. And um, there's a bunch of stuff on there from college and, one thing I haven't, I just actually got the hard drive last Friday, but I don't have the cord to go get on it. But uh, one thing I did when I was in college, you know, when I was, the, there's a gift and a curse about being at Marquette. That the gift is that it's such a huge basketball school. And when you're playing well and you're doing well, like people love you. That's any case in the world, you know, anywhere you go. The downside is that if we're, we suck and we're playing bad, then, you know, we're the center of attention and everybody, you know. So one thing I started to do is I started to just screenshot all they're saying about me because in my heart I knew that I was going to prevail I didn't know it was going to be the NBA but um so there were so many emotions you know one where I just felt like yes I proved everybody wrong you know uh proved all the people at Marquette 
who talked about me wrong. I proved all the people back home who told me not to go to Marquette, who told me that I was going to transfer. Um, proved all the people in Mexico who told me not to go and try out for the G League. You know, I just felt like I proved so many people wrong. And, and so that was satisfying in its own. But then at the age of 27, I'm not so consumed on those things anymore. I'm not consumed on proving people right or proving people wrong. I'm not consumed with, you know, using it as motivation. Because honestly, like, those people really don't matter. Like, those, those people aren't going to applaud me if I make it. They're just going to talk shit if I don't. So I kind of just became consumed with, you know, being the best player I could be. And that's one thing Buzz always preaches, like, just be the best you. And at the, you don't understand it at that time. But now I'm just like, I'm trying to be the best me, the best basketball player, the best teammate, the best professional, uh, the best boyfriend, you know, the best son. And it's just like, what motivates me is like, I want to have, I want to have gener generational wealth. Like I want to get the bag. So, you know, I'm just consumed on those things. I don't really think about this other stuff no more, but I mean, don't take, no, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Like it was satisfying to just like, yes, I, I'm here now. I'm in the NBA. And I know that everybody, Marquette's a basketball school. Like people who, watch Marquette basketball are actual basketball fans. So I know they're watching the NBA and, and stuff like that. And I know they follow past and current Marquette players. So, you know, they'll see for themselves. I don't have to tell them that I'm in the NBA. They'll see it. The, whoever doubted me, they'll see it. And that's satisfying to me, you know, it's just that they know that I'm here. Well, I hope I'm not on that hard drive at all. Uh, but <laughs> I, am, I know that I motivated you. So it's a win. Maybe that's what I was doing too. For sure. What uh, is there a moment or two sitting in the locker room where you're like, are you kidding me? Guarding somebody? Is there anything that steps out to like, not validate, but you're like, I'm in the NBA? Uh, to be honest, every day. Um, just because like playing in Mexico, it was the time of my life. Don't get me wrong. Like I had so much fun, but. Yeah, I've seen your Instagram. There. <laughs> <laughs> their facilities, their facilities, and their resources don't even compare to Marquette. They don't even compare to the NBA. You know what you have access to. Um, obviously, outside of the finances, like the finances are one thing, but just having you know coaches, athletic trainers, you know cold tubs and good food, traveling, and so um, I'm always just thankful of you know where I am in my life now, and and then it's also like. I'm not playing for a, I don't know, I don't want to take it because there's amazing basketball players out there, but I'm not playing for a Detroit Pistons or I'm not playing for a Phoenix Suns. Like I'm playing with the Golden State Warriors, you know, with Stephen Curry, with Clay Thompson, being coached by Steve Curry. Like these are goats, you know, these are greats. And so it, every day I'm in, the, I'm in the gym with Steph, like, man, it's, it's, inspire, it's inspiring, it's motivating. Uh, I'm a fan, like, Sometimes I'll finish my workout before his, and you know, there's one ball, one player, one coach to each court. But when I'm done, like I'll sit and watch him for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And like, I used to think making 10 to 15 threes in a row was elite. And it's like, when you're around these guys, like that's regular. They're doing that every time they shoot shots. They might miss one or two, but then they're running off 15, 16, 17 in a row, sometimes even 30. And so, that is kind of hard sometimes is like separated into because I'm a true fan of this team. I'm a true fan of these players. Like I'm from here. I've watched this team my whole life. I was mad when the Warriors traded Monte Ellis, you know, when Steph Curry got here. Um, 
But my point being is, like, I'm a true fan of these guys. So uh, it's an everyday reminder. I mean, you know, it's the best arena in the NBA right now, probably uh, in Chase. Um, like, every day I'm reminded, like, just going into that, that gym, just living where I live. Like, I live in San Francisco now. Obviously, everybody knows San Francisco is the most expensive city in the U.S. And it's like, prior to making it to the NBA, I would never even consider living in San Francisco. So it's just everything I do, everything, everywhere I am uh, is just a reminder. Like, I'm from here. So everything that I've been doing all of my life, like, I can't do anymore. I have to watch what I do. I have to watch where I go. I have to watch who I'm around. Um, you know, not, not for any bad reasons, but, like, now that when I go to the gas station, people recognize me, which is a cool thing. But it's just, like, I'm always I'm – always, yeah. Uh, reminded that you know that I'm in the NBA and it's it's just a pleasure to be here man you mentioned it earlier and and you know that's what's what's next or when you got waived and how much that hurt you and, and but moving past it so now you get it you make the NBA and actually you were about to come to town in Milwaukee you guys are about to swing through we had touch base and right. COVID hits and the season's over Talk about the the emotions of that happening uh, right around the time you were just kind of getting into a rhythm, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's a little bit of both. I mean, it it sucks because, like, obviously I wanted to finish the season, uh, just, you know, play, play it out. Uh, and I wanted to live a summer where it's like, you know, I was going to have fun this summer. I was going to go celebrate, of course. Like, that's one thing I promised myself since I started playing pro is to, you know, go on a, a vacation every summer. Um, I just want to do some nice things for my family. You know, it, it's, my accessibility is different now. Um, so I was excited about that. But then I ended up getting actually getting hurt versus the Clippers, uh, the last game we played prior to COVID. So then it ends up being a, a blessing in disguise because now I – I've been able to uh, recuperate and get back to 100% without, you know, technically missing any games. So um, initially I was like, Ugh. and I didn't think COVID was going to last this long, honestly. Yeah. I didn't take it as serious as maybe I should have initially. So I was just thinking like, you know, in May it'll all be over and, and so forth. But I'm ready for it to be over, man. I'm ready personally to start playing basketball and start competing again. That part sucks is that, you know, just being in San Francisco, we're the last city – you know, to – they just have the strict, strict, most strict regulations. So, like, we're not able to compete and stuff. And I miss that. I miss competing. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, like I said, it's been a blessing in the skies. I've been able to um, get my ankle back right. I've been able – I've gained, uh, like, nine pounds. Uh, been working out, working on, you know – just been on a whole different regimen. Like, I've never had these resources before. So, now I get a whole summer of these resources and I – and I really get, like, one-on-one -on -one training every day. Like like I said, it's been a blessing in disguise. So I'm excited for this upcoming season. Along with that, with the COVID and everything, and obviously you mentioned, uh, you know, being in your hometown, how important that is, hometown team. We have all of the, the social injustice issues that developed along with COVID. And I know now you've been able to use your platform, not only then, but continue to, and maybe talk a little bit about how important that is to you as well, not just being a player, but being an actual member of your own community there. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's, I just feel like it's my duty. And it's my duty as a young African-American uh, male uh, to speak up for, you know, 
my friends, my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, you know, whoever's, you know, on the the receiving end of injustice. Um, so I just felt like that was my duty. And then it, it's also my duty because it's my community. And uh, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I try to be as conscious as I can about what's going on in my life. And I'm conscious about, you know, my platform and, you know, the type of attention I have now. So uh, I just wanted to use my voice and not necessarily lead people, but just bring people together and, you know, uh, basically a place where, you know, they could speak freely, you know, whether that be them chanting, whether that be them wearing certain attire, whether that be them you know, putting on a sign, because a lot of people are affected by this. A lot of people are hurt by this. You know, I was personally affected by the George Floyd incident. You know, uh, I was very emotional for some days just because like that could easily be me. That could easily be, you know, anybody that could easily be Jamil Wilson or Derek Wilson. Like I talk to those guys every other day, at least three times a week, you know? And so I got a, I got a bunch of friends and that that could easily be. So I was just really affected by that. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are affected. They just don't really know what to do to, you know, try to make a difference and including myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm still learning every day as I go. And so we just got a, we, we got a lot of momentum now. And I say that as, you know, as a, as a whole, you know, humans as a whole, you know, we got a lot of momentum. If you believe in doing the right thing, then, you know, we got a lot of momentum to continue to do, do the right thing and fight evil. It's just a crazy world right now, you know, with uh, that guy being in office. But um, everybody has each his own. Like, I don't care for people who vote for who, but. Just like an evil, like promoting evil and, and all this the racism and all this stuff. Like, man, people people don't got to live like that. You know, everybody deserves a right to just live in peace. That's what I believe in. You know, no matter how much money you got or how big your house is or, you know, how far you've gone in your education, like everybody got a right at peace, man. And, and that's, just, that's just my motto. So I just want to preach that. Like, let, let people live. Let people be who the hell they want to be. Yeah. Yeah, the momentum, the momentum is key. And I think you're seeing that for the first time, at least that I can remember, it continue. You know, a lot right. of times it, something happens and then we're upset about it for a couple of weeks and then it, it goes away. Yeah, and hopefully people can just, you know, continue to pick up this momentum. It don't have to be an everyday thing, but, you know, that's what I want to do. Inspire some young kids. Maybe a 16-year-old kid gets out in two weeks and speaks up about it or at school, you know, yeah. whatever. You mentioned Jamil and Derek. I got to believe you were uh, tuned in to the TBT this summer. Uh, watching those guys of course anytime they're on tv man i tune in those are my guys you know obviously Derek and i we, we were roommates for four years uh jamil was my big brother uh me, me and Devonte, we were texting each other during the whole game because like we both want to get back and play um but yeah i'm really close with all those guys you know still talk to mellow mellow uh three times a week four times sometimes every day DJO, you know, I miss those guys, man. That, that was one of the highlights. That was one of the better parts of going to market is just the friends that I made on, the, you know, obviously on the court, but off the court as well. Uh, it's just some great dudes, man, guys I'll be friends with for the rest of my life. And so uh, I was definitely tuned. I was so happy to see them win that money, man, because, you know, we've been coming. And I say we because, like, I feel like I won too, you know, that yeah. they won. And so we've been, we've been so close for so many years, losing in a championship last year. I just knew this year had to be the year. So. Uh, I was super excited for them. Big shot by Diener, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, you 
couldn't have written it any better for him. That's for sure. Right. What, uh, what about, have you been watching much of the NBA and now with the restart and the bubble and, and how things have been going for them or, or is it too soon almost for you guys that aren't playing? Uh, I've been watching, I've been watching a little bit of the NBA. I've been watching some of the key matchups. Paul George looks really good. AD looks really good. Um, as for us, we don't really know anything, man. Everything's just up in the air. I think uh, the whole NBA is based on how this bubble ends up turning out, you know. So, and I, I just – I'm a rookie, so I don't hear too much about what's going on. Uh, they're talking to the vets about that stuff. So, wherever they tell me to show up, I'm going to be. It's yeah. it's interesting to watch. Obviously, it can be done, and, and it has been in other sports. Um you just wonder how long it's going to need to be done like that, right? And and you're kind of in limbo. You're on the team, but the season has to end first, right, before you even can know what you want to do next or can do next. Well, right? I mean, you know what you want yeah. to do next day. Right. Um, well, I'm on a, uh, a, I have two more years with them. Um, so hopefully I, I stay here. I mean, in a perfect world, I'd be here. But like you said, yeah, can't wait. Got to wait until the end of the season to even know what's next. Like, who are we drafting? What trades are being made? You know, so that, it's a crazy world, man, that we live – well, crazy that we live in it right now, but also crazy business. Like, you never know where you'll end up next. Yeah, yeah. What uh, – outside of working out, I mean, what – you said you're still in a in the lockdown area there. I mean, what are you doing with your time other than digging out that hard drive when you get the uh, – Put them up on the wall in there. Everybody that's doubted you, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, uh, not too much. Uh, I ride bikes around San Francisco a little bit. Uh, you know, the beach isn't too far. I go to the beach, but honestly, man, I've been really locked in as of lately. Like I said, uh, I just got a whole different, you know, inspiration and motivation now. It's like I've been working so hard to get to this point. Like I don't want to just come and go. You know, I want to make sure I stay here, and so. Uh, like I said, the easy part is done. The hardest part is staying. And so I've just been super locked in, worked out, work out every day. Like, actually, next week, Steve is making me take a week off uh, just because I've, I've literally been in the gym uh, every day since April, every single day. And so – and I don't say that to, like, say, oh, I'm going to be this excellent player next year. But my point being is just, like, I'm super locked in right now just trying to make sure that I can stay in this league. Yeah. Well, I'll let Todd Smith know you put on nine pounds. He's going to be happy to hear that. <laughs> Ain't he? Because I couldn't do it when I was there. <laughs> I could not do it when I was there. Too much boot camp? Is that what it was? Too much running for show. Chris O'Toole said he won't even go back. You, you know, he's living in near Texas A&M. He said he doesn't want to go. Cause he's, he's like, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. and running. I'm not doing that anymore. So, oh, to like go, go there and work out? Yeah, just go there and hang out, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm sure. When you when you hang around Buzz, you know it's all fun and games. But damn, sometimes you gotta be on your p's and q's because he might ask you to do something that you don't want to do, <laughs> like get on the line and run. Show he might ask you to show his current players how how things win. And it's like, come on, bro, I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, it's not worth uh, not worth the risk, like you said. I appreciate it, man. It's been good catching up. It's been awesome watching your story. Uh, it's not over. I mean, like you said, it's. Uh, you're not comfortable with where you are now. And I think that's, that's going to serve you well. I, I appreciate it. And, and no, and obviously you do know, I mean, Marquette, uh, you're part of that family and, and we're going to keep watching you, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me. Uh, hopefully I can get back to Marquette or Milwaukee soon. So I, I'll be looking forward to that. You know where to find us, man. All right, man.
We hope you've enjoyed the latest episode of the Ring Out Ahoya podcast, which is available on GoMarquette.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening, and go Marquette!